This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Directly or overtly by the spirit of consumerism that has taken over our nation and taken over us and our mindset. So let's talk about what is the definition of consumerism. Well, Michael Craven gave a good definition of consumerism and his actually his writings really influenced my thoughts on this and uh, a book called Uncompromised Faith. And, and uh, let's look together what did did he say? He said it this way. This is a really formal definition of consumerism. Consumerism is the systematic creation and encouragement of the, and here's the key word, of the desire to possess material goods and personal success in ever, in even greater amounts. So that, that, that's kind of a, a, a very broad definition a big definition of what consumerism is. And the point is, it's the desire that is never satisfied. It's something within us that we never have enough, and we never get enough, and we're never completely satisfied. We need one more, one more toy. We need one more digital device. We need one, one more of a nicer item. And marketing and advertising appeals to that within us that is dissatisfied. That's saying, I have to have more. A more basic way to to define consumerism uh, is this. And this is your first point that I want you to write down today. Consumerism, Consumerism is being defined, this is number one, by having instead of being. And I want, I want you to let those words soak in. Because every single one of us, every single one of us are, especially here in this culture, are tempted to be defined not by who we are, but what we have. Now, how many, I don't even know, I'm going to, this is, I'm going to practice an illustration on you guys in this service. If it doesn't work this service, we'll, we'll cancel it next service. Uh, do they still make guest jeans? Does anyone know? Okay, first of all. If you're if you're under uh, under the age of uh, of 30, lift your hand real quick. All right, we'll see that now. Keep your hand up if you've heard of guest jeans. Okay, well then maybe this illustration didn't work. Okay, so I don't know. I have not seen guest jeans out there. If you're wearing guest jeans today, um, you know, cool. Your, your pants are probably better than my pants. But the point being is that I remember in in junior high, early high school, literally coveting a certain type of blue jean. That, that in our family's budget and in our family's values at that time, you know, we simply weren't going to pay for that. And I remember uh, thinking, I would be cooler if I had that type of jeans. It had, didn't have anything to do with the denim. It had everything to do with the branding that was on the jeans. And I remember literally feeling like I would be a better person if I had that, that type of product. Now, that's really easy for me to share that illustration with you, and, and we can relate to that. You're probably thinking of some kind of a cloth item that you went through that as an adolescent. But as 35-year-olds and 54-year-olds and 72-year-olds, we're really not different in a lot of things in our life. We're under the deception that there's certain things that are going to validate us. There's certain material items that are going to make our life better. And if we just had those in our life, we would 
have a better life. And that's one of the lies of consumerism, that there's always something we're missing that's going to make our life better. It's a shift in our personhood. Instead of our personhood being judged by our character, it's judged by our possessions, it's judged by our appearance, it's judged by our social status, and it's, it's preyed upon us from our earliest childhood in this culture that we need something more. And now, even more than ever, our physical image. We're so afraid to age. We're so afraid to, to go through that. And now, now we know that plastic surgery, and, and sometimes plastic surgery is appropriate. It, it truly is. But when done simply for vanity, it's a deception that we can, we can stop the aging process because somehow if we can stay young and we can appear younger than we are, then we are validated and there's some, we're, we're greater than what we really are. Beth and I have, have some close friends that, uh, that used to live in our neighborhood and uh, the, the wife, she was from South Carolina and we, we were talking about this subject in a really casual setting and, and she was talking about, about her mom and she said, when I, when I talk to my mom, she'll say something like this, and this is kind of a cultural habit. I ran into so-and-so the other day, and they looked great. Or going on, did you hear that, Mr. Johnson or, or Sally? They are looking great. And my friend, she said, I, I've asked mom, well, how are they? How, how are they? Not, not how do they look. How are they? How, how is the essence of who they are? And see, what the lie is of consumerism is it shifts our attention from who we are and the intangibles that only God can give and the characteristics that only God can deposit in us. And instead, we attach our value to things of the world that are marketed to us and it's shoved down our throats and it's a lie from the enemy and it's anti-Scripture. It's exactly against what God wants us to believe. So here's the second thing that, that I want you to write down is this. It's consumerism conditions us to never be satisfied. That's its job. Nothing's ever going to be good enough. We, we, we are, we are um, perpetually dissatisfied and that's anti-Scripture and it's, it's exactly what God doesn't want us to be. We're never satisfied with our homes. We're never satisfied with our cars. We're never satisfied with our bodies. And now it's even gone another step. We're not satisfied with our spouses. They're not meeting our needs. We're not satisfied with our churches. Because we're consumers. Things aren't working out with your spouse. No fault divorce. You'll get another one. Things you're not enjoying your church, leave one week. Leave your whole family network and people and, and go somewhere. Just go do that. Why? Because because it's not meeting our needs and we're not satisfied. And there's something within us. We've got to get a newer house. We've got to get another car. And and some of you, you know my life, I have a nice home. And and, and my family, we have a lot of nice things. I'm not suggesting that that we can't enjoy good things in life, but I am strongly, strongly stating that those things don't define us. And they don't define who we are. And they don't characterize us. And see, one of the problems with consumerism is that it just gives us way too many options. 
And we think choices actually free us. But choices sometimes make things harder. You know, I get to go out to eat quite a bit. Uh, because I, just, just I do. First of all, Beth and I enjoy that. But then beyond that, for different, different um, meeting with people and such like that. And, and these days, you go to a restaurant and the menus are just huge. I mean, it can be a stressful event if you let it ordering. I mean, there are so many choices. And, you know, I decided a few years ago that the purpose of a meal is truly conversation. I mean, if not, it can, I mean, it's just depositing minerals and stuff in your body. But if you're going to go sit down with someone, the purpose is a conversation. So I just made a decision that I give myself about 30 seconds to a minute to make my decision. Because, it, because this game gets a little old, the waiter comes by, says... Are you ready to order? And it's like, I don't know. What should I get? And, and, and we get all these choices. We're looking at the menu as if we'll never have a meal again. And, and it's really very rare. I mean, I suppose if you're on vacation or at a very unique restaurant, I suppose there's times where you're at a place you'll never eat again. But most of the places we go, we, we go to on a, you know, on a regular basis, an annual basis at the least. And and we'll get to go there again. And, and, and before we know it, we're so stressed out about, about the menu that we're not even enjoying the experience. As if, if I choose, if I choose to, to have a hamburger, then I'll never get to have chicken again. And it's simply not the case. Now, I like an In-N-Out burger. Has anyone been to In-N-Out burger? Oh, my goodness. This is like praise to God here. In fact, in worship next time, Beth, just throw that in a song. Say, how many know In-N-Out there? Praise God, revival has hit the church. But um, I did trick you there, sorry. In-N-Out Burger is a West Coast chain. And you go to In-N-Out Burger if you haven't been. And it's really a good company for a lot of different reasons. The type of ingredients they use, the way they treat their employees. But what I like about it is that their menu consists of hamburgers, fries, and onion rings. Not egg rolls and... Uh, Sopapillas and a hundred different things. Just hamburger fries. And, and so there's a freedom in just having a simple choice. This is all I'm going to have. So the point is this, is that consumerism, the lie is, all these choices are giving us all this freedom, but really all these choices are just producing dissatisfaction with us. Now let's go to 1 Timothy 6. I told you it would take a little, little time to get there, but I want us to break down what the Word of God says about this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting with verse 6. It says, but godliness with contentment. That's a key word. I want you to focus in on that. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. And that's a point we need to reflect on. We can take no material possessions with us. Verse 8, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. I want you just to do something with me. I want, let's look at verse 8 again. I want you to repeat these words with me. We will be content. Let's say it together. We will be content. Again, we will be content. That, hello, sorry about that. Wow. I felt like my life was falling apart. It was just my microphone. But that is, that is the heart of this scripture. Is an attitude that I want you to pick up from this teaching today. That we will be content. And some of us, 
need to look ourselves in the mirror and say that I will be content or this family will be content because the lie of consumerism, the lie you're going to see tonight, it's okay to chuckle at the commercials, the clean ones. It's okay to enjoy that experience as long as you know that the spirit of consumerism as a believer should not grab your heart and should not make you dissatisfied and should not keep you from who God's called you to be because we will be content. I will be content with every gift that God has given me. Going to verse 9. And I love the way uh, the Holman Christian Standard interprets verse 9. It says, But those who want to be rich, I believe that's the proper interpretation of the Scripture. And I want you to understand something. It is not wrong to be rich. The Bible is full of rich people and poor people. It's not wrong to be rich, and it's frankly not wrong to be poor. But for those who want to be rich, they're bound by that desire and I want to tell you, there's people who are stuck in cycles of poverty that are more bound to money than very wealthy people. Because it's not about how much is in your bank account. It's, it's where your attention is and how much the power of money has your heart. So look at this again in verse 9. But those who want to be rich fall into temptations, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For, verse 10, for the love of money. Think about this. Not money. The love of money. Money's not wrong. Money's not bad. It's the love of money. is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. That word contentment, and you might want to write this down, means this. Sufficiency of life needs. Contentment, sufficiency of life needs. That's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to sufficiency. To say, God, you are my supplier. You are my provider. You're the ones who gifted me and supplied for me. I have what I need because of you. So I won't be influenced by consumerism. I won't be influenced by the spirit of the world. Because I am resting in you and your plan for me and your provision for me. Now let's look at the King James Version. And I think it's good sometimes to look at really the version that, that many of you grew up under because it, it brings back some familiar and comforting words. They, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Stay there for a second. The word drown that word there is talking about this. Someone who has a weight over their neck is thrown into the water and they're completely sinking to the bottom. That's what the love of money, the lust for money, the, the, the desire to be rich that overtakes your relationship with the Lord does. It literally drowns you. And consumerism is part of that water that drowns us, that we, we are not resting in sufficiency of what God has for us. Instead, we question everything. We doubt everything. Verse 10 there in the King James Version. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The word coveted. What you think about that word? The word coveted means this, to stretch oneself out to grasp. So it's not talking about possessing the money. It's talking about continually to grasp, to covet. I don't have enough. My life's incomplete. If I get one more thing, a little more money, a little more status. If, if, I, if I 
if I just lost more weight. Obviously, losing weight's a good thing as far as our long-term health. But if you're doing it just for vanity and say, I'll be a better person and I'll be a more significant person if my body image reflects what everyone else thinks it should be. And we're always grasping instead of being. Think, God, this is who you've made me. This is who I am. And God wants us to rest in that. He wants us to know who he's made us. See, riches are not either good or bad. It's all about the attitude. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. Consumerism erases the distinction between Christians and unbelievers. It erases the distinction between Christian and unbelievers. There are a few things that really distinguish us, and I believe consumerism does. If we as the church base our significance on material things for who we are, that's one of the things that makes us no different from those in the world, those who don't know Christ. There should be an inner satisfaction within us. There should be an inner rest to say, because of who Christ has made me and what He's done for me, He's all that I need. I have all that I need. That daily, as I walk with Him, I'm becoming more like Christ. I'm becoming more reflecting His image and His purpose. And there's great, great joy in that. There's great, great rest in that. You see, America, we've exported many good things. We're one of the greatest nations. Of course, I'm an American. We are the greatest nation that's ever existed. I have no trouble saying that. And our greatest exports have been individual freedom and individual liberty. And we've exported education. And we've exported missionaries as a sending nation. Our country, the churches of this country have touched the world. But today, we're exporting consumerism. And that's why the church needs to be a voice, a contrary voice. Because all over the third world today, that there's people, poor people who think, if I just drink the right type of soda, or if I get the right type of shoes, I'll be a more significant person. And that's a lie from the spiritual perspective. And we're exporting that. We've totally abandoned our values. And because communist China is a great market, and it's a great place for imports and our exports, now we, our government has totally ignored that, that they have human rights violation, including oppressing Christians. Why? Because consumerism has become our God. And it's all about the bottom line, and it's all about the buck, and it's a sad, sad thing. But as God's people, we have to have a different perspective of that. And at least we can't solve all those problems on a macroeconomic level. But we can say that in our church, we're going to have a culture of acceptance. We're not going to judge people by what type of car they drive into the parking lot or what type of clothes they wear in this building. We're going to create a culture where everyone is loved for who they are, made in the image of God, defined by His presence, defined by His destiny. And as churches in America begin to let people see their greatness, then we'll push back the darkness of consumerism. And we'll make a true difference. I'm going to invite Beth to join me up here. And I want, I want us as we realize that Jesus called us. Jesus called us to live humbly. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, he said this. He says, make your attitude that of Christ Jesus. So you understand this is a, a, a direct call that our attitude should join Jesus. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself. Think of that phrase in verse 7. He emptied himself. 
by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to position themselves because I can't think of a better way to push back the spirit of consumerism than to go to the Lord's table. God has called us to simplicity. Simplicity is a beautiful thing. Simplicity in how we make our choices and how we live our life and how we spend our money and how we judge cultures. Simplicity is a powerful thing because it makes us makes us more and more focused on Jesus and His sufficiency. And that's what He wants us to do today. Our ushers, in just a moment, they're going to pass out the elements of communion. I want you to hold them. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to come back. And today, we're going to pray together. We're going to repent together. And we're going to center on the cross. We're going to center on Jesus because He's everything we need. Prepare your hearts and hold the elements until I come back. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.